0: Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Leave your word. very
1: near. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Justin's going to come and sing for us, and then uh, Evangelist Tim Green's going to come up and preach right after that, and uh, let this song prepare your hearts for the preaching.
0: I know this could be me. I could be in that. Good, have I done to deserve this grace? I found, oh, I was lost as could be when his great hand reached way down where once I had nothing. I now have everything. Oh, I thank. The wretch like me, unworthy of mercy, yet I'm free and saved, unworthy of royal blood that flows through grace God's grace grace
1: I think I got it brother. Thank you though. I walk most of the time with a cane but I don't bring it to church because people ask me what's wrong. <laughs> so I just do it that way. I'd like to have you look in your book to the 18th chapter of the book of John. The 18th chapter of the book of John. I know we have a little bit of time restraints uh, this morning. This afternoon I guess we won't other than it'll be right time to take a nap this afternoon. John chapter 18. And there's some interesting things I, in reading this the other day, came across in my thinking. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? If you look at verse number five, it talks about Judas. And there it says, and Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. All those people that came to, there were 600 people that came with Judas to arrest one man, Jesus Christ. And just across the page on my book, in verse number 18, says servants and officers stood there. And it says at the end of that verse, for It was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them. Peter was in the wrong crowd. You know, sad to say, today we have Christians that want to look like the world. We have folk that act like the world, they think like the world, the world's got a hold of their minds. I don't ever want to get to the place where Peter got to, where he denied the Lord. You know, John is the only one that doesn't record Peter's language. The other three gospel messengers, they tell us what Peter said. He used oaths, he swore. I think he took the Lord's name in vain to prove, and he was standing with the wrong crowd. If you see also in verse number 25, the Bible says, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. In chapter 19 and verse number 25 Jesus is on the cross and it says now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene and also John was there. You get to the 20th chapter and 11th verse it said but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. Now what transpired here, sinner friend? We've sung about it a couple of songs. Calvary covered it all. The song that Justin just sang. What transpired here was the greatest miracle that was ever initiated on this planet. Now there's some great miracles. Jesus one time was went to a man's house where he said his little daughter was sick, and when Jesus got there, uh, she was dead. And he said to her, Kumai, and up she came alive, and he said, give her something to eat. A few chapters later, uh, Jesus is coming into the little town of Nazareth, where he was from, and there was a funeral going on and uh, a boy, a young boy had died, maybe a young man, maybe a teenager. His mother was a widow. She has no husband. She's burying her son. Jesus came and touched the casket, and that boy came back to life. What a miracle. You get to the 11th chapter of the book of John. We talked about a little bit in Sunday school. You know the story, Lazarus been dead for four days. Jesus went and Spoke to the mouth of that grave. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And up from the grave, Lazarus came. Those are great miracles. That's not the greatest miracle. The greatest, the most marvelous miracle is the regenerating grace of God. Yes. That could make a sinner into a saint. Amen. Someone headed to hell. Reverse their direction. And go to heaven when they die. A hellbound sinner. In a second. In a moment of time. Can be fixed up to walk the streets of gold one day. Amen. Under a cloudless sky. And be with Jesus Christ. For all eternity. You see, there you know the story. There was Jesus was on the middle cross. There were two other men there. Those men were not fit to live on earth. But Jesus said to one of them, You know, you're good enough to be in paradise with me in a matter of a few moments. Look at yourself. Take a little trip down memory lane in your own life. You see, God doesn't just fit the holy for heaven. But he'll take you. That's right. Right. He'll save you. The question this morning is, where do you stand? Do you stand without salvation? Do you stand without Christ? Jesus can fix you for heaven. You say, I don't want to go to heaven. You're a fool. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right. You're a fool. Heaven's a wonderful place. Yes. Hell's a horrible place. That's where sinners go. They go to hell, those that die without Jesus Christ. I saw something in the Bible I thought about. I probably will someday make a, a series of thoughts on it. I call it the ions of faith. An ion is a group of atoms that have a positive or negative electric charge because of having lost or gained one or more electrons and I thought about all the words and there may be more that end in the, word, in the letters I-O-N there's salvation yeah. salvation is the whole process from start to finish in our renewed relationship with Jesus Christ yeah. salvation there's redemption. Ends in I-O-N. That is the completed payment of the debt for the cost to purchase your salvation. Thank God we have been redeemed. We have experienced redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. The price that was paid. There's a word propitiation in the Bible. That is the specific Payment that justifies or covers our personal debt. I mean twice today I think we've sung or at least heard it plain. Calvary covers it all. You say my sin is great. My sin is unbelievable. I, I don't know if anybody's ever sinned as bad as me. The blood of Jesus Christ. God's son cleanses us from all sin. There's regeneration. Regeneration. That is the act where the dead sinner is made alive. You know we sing the song Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch. A wretch is a pretty bad thing. But friend you are far more than a wretch. If you are lost. You are dead. The Bible says we are dead in trespasses and in sins. But God makes us alive through the regeneration. There's a wonderful, another thing, adoption. Yes. <laughs> We're adopted into the family of God. That is the judicial act whereby a sinner is made part of God's family. Yeah. Yeah. We're adopted into His family. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is in South Carolina, but in Ohio, where I've lived most of my, uh, about half my life, in Michigan, where I lived the other half of my life, and a couple of years down in Florida. In Michigan and Ohio, if a man dies and he's adopted some children, he has some children, but he's also adopted some children, he can leave his natural-born children out of the will, but he must put the adopted children in the will. It's a pretty good thing to be adopted into the family of God. There's the word justification ends with I-O-N. It's an act whereby God, my soul, an act whereby God makes a sinner a saint. Yeah. Where God makes the unrighteous righteous. Yeah. Amen. We are justified. Yeah. That's as if we never sinned yeah. at all. Yeah. In God's sight, there's imputation. God imputes our sins to His Son. My favorite verse in the New Testament 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus Christ when He died on the cross He became what we were and are. That we might become what He is. A child of God. A son of God. Yes, By grace. Through faith in Christ Jesus. And then this, this wonderful word, sanctification. Whereby a sinner is saved, not only from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. Sin does not have dominion over us anymore. Romans 6 and 13 I love that verse sin shall not have dominion over you I do listen before I got saved I was totally dominated and so are you if you're lost totally dominated by sin but by the grace of God I'm not sinless but I'm working at it I have never woke up one day in my life since I've been a born again child of God for the last 54 years and said I wonder how much sin I can commit today I, I would assume I've sinned every day, but I sure didn't plan on it. That's right. I wasn't working at it. And I thank God one of these days, not only are we saved from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but one of these days we're going to be saved from the very presence of sin. Right. And no sin where Jesus is today. That's right, yeah. There's reconciliation. where are two parties who were aggrieved <laughs> and, and brought together. Reconciliation. There's remission. Those that have. It's been taken away. And listen. When you remit somebody's sin. That means you're a witness. You're telling somebody about Jesus. That's remitting their sins. That's helping them to get out of their sin. And become a child of God. To be a witness. There's glorification. That's the end result of redemption in glory. When we are seated together with him right now in heavenly places. Just waiting for the rest of us to get there. God help us today. You know as well as I do the world's in a mess. Nations are collapsing in corruption. Ours is. The world's in turmoil. There's a little nation over there in what's called the Middle East. Eight million people been at war now since October the 7th. I mean, the, it is almost horrific what took place oh, yeah. on that day. Unbelievable that people would rip unborn babies from a mother and killer and cut heads off of little children. What a godless day Lord. we live in. Yeah. Churches are corrupted corrupted by the culture. That's right. That's right. Tozer said this. It is sad when Christians reflect the culture around them more than the Christ within them.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Schools are so woke that it's a nightmare. Yep. Families are dysfunctional.
0: Yep. All
1: kinds of situations and problems. Yep. I thought about it earlier, talking about how many years people have been married. And you sing that little song uh, about uh, happy anniversary to you. And then you have the little add-on, and many more. I was in a church. I was sitting in the front row about two rows back from me. There was a couple. They were, it was their 60th wedding anniversary. And they sang that song. And at the end, they went, and many more. And the old man said, I hope not. <laughs> about fell out on the floor. (laughs) I hope not. My goodness. My wife and I, we have been married 54 years this year. I made the statement of it the other day. I said, we have never had one argument in 54 years. But we have had several times of intense fellowship. (laughs) And so have you, if you'll be honest. Now I want to talk to Christians for just a minute. I got, I got a little bit of time, and I'll come back to you, I'll come back to you sinners. I, he told me what time to quit, and I'm going to try. I'm making a valiant effort, preacher. You remember Joseph in the Bible? You know, really, in the book of Genesis, I would say almost a third, over a quarter of that book and just about a third of that book is about Joseph. From I think chapter 35 or 37 on it's all about him to the end of the uh, book, 50 chapters. Joseph got in a lot of situations and you Christians know what I'm talking about. But one thing that you got to get to when you have the problems and situations come into life, you, you don't demand to understand what God is doing in your life. You see the darkness that we go through. Never dulls the light of the grace of God. In our life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I, I have friends. Right, I had a friend. I, I went to his church. I don't know if I mentioned this. I know I did a week or so ago somewhere preaching. He flew me in. I'd never been to the church. Had a beautiful home like you have over here to stay on in the property. The biggest uh, parking lot I think I've ever seen in my life at a church. Building seat about 1,200, 1,400 people. I got there Sunday morning. There was maybe as many people as in half of one of these sections. Maybe 40 people, that's all in that church and uh, that night they got up and uh, uh, four kids with their mother sang and the mother said something about prison and, and I didn't know what was going on never been, never even met the pastor before until that Saturday when I flew in and so I said to him uh, after church I said uh, is your son a, a prison guard he said I'll talk to you about it at lunch tomorrow long story short his son was in prison his son had done something foolish as a young man that caught up to him Went to prison. He got an 11-year sentence for what he had done. He was in prison about three years, and he got a cancer. He got a cancerous tumor on his body about the size of a soccer ball. Long story short, he died here, I think, in November. got out of prison for about three weeks so he could be with his family and died just a few weeks ago. I told the preacher, I think, since Thanksgiving, 11 of my preacher friends. One was buried Friday. 11 of my preacher friends have buried their wives. Men I preach for, preach with. 11 of them. We Don't demand to understand the negatives, the seeming negatives that come into your life. And then don't fail to be faithful. In the good times and the bad times, God is always there. Our Heavenly Father knows what's best. I don't want to be a delinquent child of God. Don't bow to bitterness. It would have been easy for Joseph to get bitter. At Potiphar's wife? At his own brothers? We had a lot of reasons to get bitter. Bitterness is a terrible... You know, bitterness is like eating onions to have good breath. (laughs) sometimes you seem like it wouldn't bother you you get punished for doing wrong but sometimes you go through negative things when you're doing right persecuted for doing what's right and I think that bothers a lot of people it doesn't seem to have affected Joseph at all adversely don't be unwilling to wait have some patience wait on God Joseph waited a long time but God vindicated him and my goodness his father thought he was dead. You know, those wicked brothers, they killed an animal and took uh, Joseph's coat and coat of many colors and put bloodstains on it and lied to the dad about what had happened. And all those long years, he thought his boy had been killed. And then he got that news, and those wagons came. And he saw those wagons come that were going to take him down to Egypt. I think he he lived another 17 years and had the joy of seeing his grandkids, those boys that were born. Wait on the Lord. God's timing. For some of us, it's God's taming. He has to deal with our hearts. He always does what's right. One must be willing to die to sell. There was a famous man in Germany prior to World War II and throughout World War II by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a German pastor. He came from a very wealthy and influential family. One of his brothers was like the Supreme Court judge of Germany before Hitler and even into some of Hitler's uh, reign or whatever you want to call it there. He had the highest judicial position in the land of Germany. He had another brother who was a uh, prominent doctor perhaps the greatest physician uh, that that country knew at the time and Dietrich was a preacher He came to America for a while at the beginning of World War II and then he felt so convicted about it that he went back to be with the people that were there suffering under the Third Reich. Eventually he was put in prison and he was hung in April of 1945 there in Flossenburg Prison. I mean, in a couple months the war would have been over. He could have been freed perhaps. Went through all of that. But in his reading about him, he died to self long before he died physically. And one of the greatest things that a Christian could ever do is die to self. Be willing to wait on God. Don't let your dreams dissolve. Don't let your hopes vanish. Don't doubt in the darkness what God can do in the light of day. There's a day when God is going to make everything right. The righteous will be rewarded. And the deniers will be damned for all eternity. One of these days, child of God, you're going to lay on your deathbed. You're going to breathe your last breath and wake up in glory. (laughs) It would be... It's beyond our most expansive dreams. I bought a little house for uh, $14,900. 760 square foot house. You had to go outside to change your mind. <laughs> if, you, if you ordered a large pizza, you had to sit out on a porch. I mean, just a tiny little house and I raised my... For a long time, my three boys and my wife lived in that house. I did like most Christians do. You move in the first couple of weeks, you go and knock on doors and witness to them, give them a gospel tract, and they hate you for the rest of your life. <laughs> there was an old man that lived across the street from us named Smitty. I called him Smitty. Her name was Harry Smith. Harry was a lost man. He was a World War II vet. He was a rough character. And he was married to a lady by the name of Lillian. I got Lillian saved, uh, got her to church. She got born again. Maybe about a year before she died. Well, one day before that, before she got saved, we uh, we never—I didn't raise my boys with a television. We didn't have one in the home. I didn't want that mess to involve. You know what? They they get addicted to it. Now I'm going to say this: on our cell phones today, it's worse than the television, just about all the time yeah. but uh, Smitty had a TV and the boys would go over there and they'd watch big time wrestling and you know the baseball games and cowboy shows and stuff like that and Smitty he, he was just a hard gruff old guy he always called me green he didn't call me Tim or just green I was just green and one day his him and uh, his wife and I backtracked a little bit you didn't have you remember the Friday night fights we you, they had them every Friday night. I mean they were knocked down dragouts over there. you said it's unbelievable. Look at that old one there going at it. one day she jumped in the car got mad for whatever reason my car was parked out in the road. She backed into my car about that far Smitty, he's mad at her. she took off he's running down one side of the road, cussing her out, and I'm running down the other side of the road almost saying amen to everything he is saying. <laughs> Well, When that happened, when she did that, it kind of put our hearts together. Me and Harry, in our bad attitude towards Lillian. But we got her saved, and she passed away about a year before. A year after she got saved, she died. So Smitty's alone. She did everything around that house. He didn't do anything. I went over there one day. I said, Smitty, I said, your lawn's not looking too hot. I can't m you. He, he said I can't mow it anymore. I said, Well, I'll be glad to mow it for you. He said, You mow my lawn? I said, Yes. boy. you will have to use my lawn more. So, you know, like mine's not good enough. Long story short, I mowed or my or my son's mowed Schmidt's lawn for seven years. I don't know if you believe this or not, but it snows in Michigan a lot. We shoveled his driveway and shoveled his sidewalk for seven years. We raked his leaves for seven years and put them up. We took his trash out for seven years. If my wife made a pie, she cut a piece for Schmitty and the boys took it over for seven years, sometimes take a whole plate to him for seven years. We moved away, we came back the next summer for a little vacation. Before I even went to see my dad, we stopped at Smitty's. Well, I noticed he had a brand new door, so I knocked on the door and nobody answered. And we had just led Becky and Barry Mallard. They lived next door, and they would just gotten in, say, probably, I don't know, two or three months before we moved away. And they were going to my dad's church. So I went over to them and talked to them. I said, Where, what, What's with Smitty? He said, Oh, some fellas broke in, robbed him, knocked the old door down. I, he said, I believe he's up in the hospital. Long story short, we went up to the hospital. And when all walked in there, and the boys saw Smitty, and, of course, he started to weep a little bit. And all my boys went over and hugged him, kissed that old codger. And my wife went over there, and she kissed him. And I looked at that old, and I said, well, I guess so. I leaned over, and I kissed that old rascal on his forehead, told him I loved him, talked to him for a little while, talked to him about the Lord. You know what he said to me? He said, "Green, now that it's dying time, I think I'd like to get saved." Oh, praise God, Amen. And we led that old man to Jesus Christ. He got born again. Yes. If you call on Him, He'll save you. Right. Yes. If you ask Him, He hears. Yes. Well, the boys were all crying. Everybody's crying. We had a crying time. And Schmidt got the And just a few months later, he died and went to be with the Lord. I worked in the lumber business, oh my, all through college. I I crammed four years of college into six. And uh, I worked in the lumber business all that time. First lumber company I worked in, the boss was a man by the name of Charlie Mason. I come to work sometime, we had to be there at 7.30, sometimes I get there at 7.32. Sometimes I get there at 7.35, once in a while I get there at 7.28, sometimes right on time. One day I went to time clock and Charlie's standing there. He had all bunch of my time cards. You're late here, you're late here, you're late here. You know, he added up like, you know, I cheated the business out of 26 minutes or something. You know. he's, he's rough old cop, he's rough on me, hard on me. He really—he was trying to help me. Yeah, yeah. He got sick. He got real sick. I had gotten born again in March. Charlie got real sick in April, and I—I uh, I had never really—I never won anybody. The Lord at that time, but I got burdened for that old man. And I remember going up to the hospital one day and I was so determined I had my little New Testament. I was gonna to talk to Charlie but he knew they knew I got saved at the lumber company. Because I'd changed. I'd become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And old things had passed away and all things had become new. My language had changed. Some of the things I'd been doing, I quit doing. And they knew about it, the guys at work. And I went up to witness to Charlie, but his whole family was there and I got a little intimidated and I didn't talk to him. I went back the next day and I walked into his room. I was determined. I didn't care if everybody in Lansing, Michigan was there. And his bed was empty. And I said, I went to the nurse, I said, where's Mr. Where's Mr. Mason? I said, he's in ICU. And I'll be frank with you, I was a 21-year-old boy, I had no idea What I see, I said, I can see you too. (laughs) I didn't know what she's talking about. She said, no, he's in intensive care. I said, I'd like to see him. She said, no, you can't. Within a day or so, he died and went out into eternity. Lost. It's the first time I'd ever felt that way in my whole life. Someone I knew, someone I wanted to get to Jesus, somebody I, I cared about. him. I didn't know how much he cared about me. But I was at my dad's house and the telephone rang. And it was his wife. And she said, Tim, you know, Charlie really thought a lot about you. He talked about you all the time. I didn't know that. You know, stuff he talked at home. And she said, we would like you to be one of the pallbearers. I didn't even have a sport coat. I went and bought a sport coat. (laughs) To be a pallbearer at a funeral. And I'll never forget, it. It, it it almost haunts me. I carried one sixth of the weight of that casket and carried that man, he went to some kind of church. I sat through the service, guy didn't say anything about getting saved, nothing about being born again, nothing about nothing spiritual. You die without Jesus Christ, I'm going to be as plain as possible. You die without Jesus Christ as your Savior, hell will be your portion. But you don't have to go to hell. Jesus Christ has paid your sin debt. And all you need to do is put your faith and trust in him. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.